0: Go ahead and open up uh, with me to Matthew chapter 13. Kim uh, read the verses out loud that we're going to be looking at together. So uh, go ahead and join me in Matthew 13, starting in verse 44. And, and uh, thank you all for your, uh, your love, your kindness, your generosity. Um, speaking for the staff, we, we're, just, we're grateful to be able to love you and serve you and to serve with you and to just be a part of this church and what God is doing in Benicia. So thank you for being such a supportive, uh, loving congregation. It's a joy to to work here and to be a part of this. So uh, thank you. And also I want to apologize in advance for any strange noises or sounds you hear from me as I am fighting off the plague. And so if there's any blowing of my nose or... You know, just strange cold, flu, sinus stuff. You'll have to forgive me for that. Is that okay? Okay. All right. Sounds good. Well, hey, normally when we're here together, we are walking through a book of the Bible and just preaching kind of verse by verse through a book. We've been in Exodus for a while back in the fall, although we took a little bit of a break in December to uh, celebrate the season of Advent and now kind of with the last Sunday of 2019 and today being the first Sunday of 2020, we're, we're still kind of doing things a little differently before we jump back into Exodus next week. So we have one more standalone sermon, which is today in Matthew 13, and then we'll be back in Exodus to keep marching through that next week. So today, Matthew 13. You know, back when we lived in Denver, Amber and I lived there for a number of years, it's where... We went to seminary, and while I was there, people were really into hiking, okay? It's a big hiking area. They have all these uh, 14ers, they call them, Have we talked about this before, where they have, I think, over 50 mountain peaks that are above 14,000 feet in elevation, and so it's like a big thing to go and try and climb as many 14ers as you can or climb all the 14ers. So of like, I think there's like 54 of them, how many do you think I climbed? one. One. And actually, technically, I didn't even climb it. You can drive up to the top of Pikes Peak. So I went to the top of one 14er, and I used a car to get there. But our friends who loved hiking would always try and convince me that I should do more hiking. And they would say this to try and reason with me. They would say, hey, I know it's difficult, and it's costly, and you have to wake up Early And you have to uh, physically exert yourself, and it takes a lot of time, but it's worth it. When you get to the top and you see the view, it's worth it. Or when you realize you've conquered this mountain, this huge challenge that was in front of you, the the joy, the uh, excitement that comes from knowing you did it and completed that challenge, I would say, it's worth it. It's costly, but it's worth it. Okay, that was their reasoning. And I didn't agree with them. I didn't think that it was worth it. But I realized we we make those kinds of evaluations every day in all kinds of areas, right? We're always asking two questions. How much will this cost, and is it worth it? In all kinds of areas. When we go to the store, when we're shopping for food or clothes, how much does it cost? Do I think that that's worth it? When we're buying tickets to a sports event or a concert, well, how much will this cost, and is it worth it? When we're about to take a trip... How much will it cost, and is this worth it? Is this trip or this experience worth my time? Is it worth my money? Is it worth me losing some level of comfort? Is it worth the relational strain that it potentially bring up? What will this cost us, and is it worth it? The same thing comes into play when we think about spiritual things, and when we specifically think about the message of Jesus, the cost of following Jesus, what it means to be a Christian. We wonder, well, exactly how much will this cost me? What will this mean for my life if I say yes to Jesus? And do I think it's worth it? And that's what our text is addressing this morning in Matthew 13, verse 44 to 46. And it's especially relevant as we think about a new year. We think about 2020. That's all in front of us. We say, what do I want my year to be about? How should I or my family, how should we set our priorities? As we think about our time, as we think about our money, the things that we're going to commit to in this next year. We have to consider what Jesus might be calling us to. Here in Matthew 13, Jesus is teaching a number of parables, these short stories that he's using to explain these spiritual truths. He's been talking to the crowds, and here in these verses, he kind of focuses in on just his disciples. And he's teaching them, you see, about the kingdom. It says the kingdom of heaven, which is a phrase that's actually unique to the gospel of Matthew, but it's pretty much synonymous with the kingdom of God, which is a phrase that you'll see in the other Gospels. The kingdom of God, it's a big concept. It's it's full and it's rich with meaning. It covers a lot of ground. And so for our purposes here, when we say, well, what exactly is the kingdom of God? We think about, well, these basic truths about who God is and, and what it means to be a part of what he's doing in the world. If we are to be citizens of the kingdom of God, it means first that we recognize God as our king. We live life under his rule and reign. We seek to do things his way. We worship Jesus as the one true king. So being in the kingdom of God includes knowing God, loving God, and then living how he has called us to live. And so if we were to ask these questions that we started with, how much does the kingdom cost, and is it worth it? What does this parable have to say to those questions? Well, verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. This man, when he found it, hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought the field. It wasn't uncommon in the ancient world for people to bury wealth or bury treasure in the ground. Okay? They didn't have U.S. bank or Wells Fargo, or financial institutions to kind of store their money and keep it secure. And so, for safekeeping, they would often bury treasure in the ground, especially in a region that was marked by war, uh, military skirmishes. If someone were to be killed. They would know that their treasure was safe. Maybe their family would know where it was. They'd be able to dig it up. It could remain buried, unnoticed by these enemy forces. So it was common to bury treasure in the ground. But here we see that this particular treasure was unnoticed for some time until this man comes across it. And he finds it. He finds the treasure. And then he goes and he sells everything that he has so that he can purchase the land and thus have the treasure. And so the point of the parable, it's it's really simple. The treasure that he finds is so valuable that it's worth everything that he has. Even if it costs him selling all of his possessions, giving away everything he has, if he can gain this treasure, it would be worth it. The man in the parable, he's so passionate. You see, he's so overjoyed about what he's found that he says, I'm gonna do whatever it takes to have this treasure. And so what is the kingdom like? How much is the kingdom worth? Well, Jesus says it's, it's worth everything. That There's no sacrifice you can make that would be too great if you gain Christ. And the second parable is similar, right? Look at verse 45 with me. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. You probably noticed just how similar these two stories are, right? They're, it's striking. There's this object of great value, whether it's treasure or here in verse 45, it's a pearl. And the person who finds it, they go and they sell everything that they have in order to obtain it. Pearls in the ancient world were exceptionally valuable and sought after, but it would be a little strange, a little striking for a merchant to sell everything that he had just to get this one pearl. That would be a little over the top. But once again, then the point of the parable, the point that Jesus is trying to drive home is clear. The the pearl that the merchant finds is so valuable that it's worth everything he has. That he's willing to give everything away in order to obtain it. That's how valuable it is. One thing my dad always said to me and my brother when we were growing up was life is about moderation. Everything in moderation, he would say. Don't get too high or too low. Just a little bit of everything. That's how you're going to live a balanced, stable life. But this parable is not about moderation. This is... This is extreme. This is not moderation at all. This is saying this one thing is so valuable, so precious, so worth it, that you should give away your entire life, everything you have in order to obtain it. I mean, think about this in modern terms. What would it be like to find something so valuable where you were going to give away everything you have in order to obtain it? Take my house, take it. My cars, take it, my flat screen TV. Take it, my cute little puppy. Don't want it anymore. Get rid of my clothes, my, my jewelry. Take it all. I don't want it anymore in order to obtain this greater treasure. And not just, not just your possessions, but if you were to say, my, my time, my energy, the, the full devotion and commitment of my life now will go towards this one thing. I mean, how extreme How valuable would that one thing have to be in order to make you do such a thing? And Jesus is saying, that's what the kingdom of God is like. He's saying, knowing God and following Jesus is more valuable than anything else you could possibly find in the world. And even if you have to sacrifice everything that you have and give your entire life to him, it's worth it. This naturally leads to the question, do we believe this? And I mean, is this really true? Do we really believe this message? Because we've all heard messages that we receive and then we're not so sure about, right? Or we watch commercials on TV or infomercials about the most amazing product in the world. And we have our doubts, right? Is this really as good as people say it is? Can this really change things the way that people make it seem or say that it will. We have our doubts. And so is what Jesus saying here true? There's a cost involved, right? There's a cost to following Jesus. Jesus calls us to, yes, find life in him, but also to lay down our lives, to take up our cross, die to ourselves, to follow him. Living in the kingdom of God means that God is the king, and not us, which means that we have to change the way we handle relationships and change the way that we handle our time and our money and our priorities and our finances and our, our schedules and how we make decisions. Those things have to change if we are truly going to say Jesus is Lord. And so we do, believe, do we believe that those sacrifices are worth it? Jesus says the kingdom is like treasure— it's like this pearl in the parable. It's worth everything. And we see that concept repeated throughout Scripture. Psalm 42, right? As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul longs for you, O oh God. My soul is panting and longing after you. You are what I truly need. Or Psalm 73 Whom have I in heaven but you, and earth has nothing I desire besides you? My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. God, you are my portion, you are my strength, you are my desire. Or we see Philippians chapter 3, Paul writing, he said, Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Paul, a man who had achieved much, says all of that, everything that I achieved, all my comforts, all my success, is worthless compared to the value of knowing Jesus. And so this isn't just some fringe parable that Jesus throws in there, some fringe teaching of the New Testament. We see this throughout the Scriptures, the value of the kingdom, the value of knowing Jesus. Do we believe it? Because when we believe something is valuable, whatever that thing is, we will go to great lengths to obtain it, won't we? When we think something is worth it, we will pay the cost. Like again, think, we talked about traveling a little bit earlier. Think about when you travel, think about how much that costs you. When you go to visit family or you go on a trip somewhere, you have to buy plane tickets and, and coordinate schedules and get time off of work. And if you have kids and you're traveling with kids, man. <laughs> How many bags do you have to pack and snacks and how many, how many things do you have to be aware of? How much mental energy does it take just to get your family from point A to point B? Traveling is costly, but many of us do it. We say because it's worth it. That experience, seeing those people, being in that place, doing whatever, it's worth the cost. Think about those, those in the military, people who voluntarily join the military, with grueling physical demands, years of their life, for many, risk of death, threats to their well-being, why do they do it? Because they believe in the cause. They believe in defending their country. They believe that it's worth it. The cause is valuable enough for them to say, you know what, I will sacrifice those things in order to be a part of this bigger thing. Think about Uh, Those of us raising kids that have kids in sports or kids in theater or kids in music lessons, whatever it might be that our families are a part of, those things take countless hours of practices and performances or uh, competitions that we drive to and rearrange our schedules for and pay money for and take weekends away. I mean, there's a high cost to those things. But think about it. No one's forcing you to do that, right? Right? We, we do it because we say, you know what, this experience, being a part of this team or my child learning this skill, it's, it's worth it. We say, it's, it's worth it. Or think about, I think about those in, in band. There, there's a middle school marching band that uses our parking lot a couple days a week to come and practice their instruments. And so I get nothing done during that time in the afternoon because they're out there. And I think about these kids and there's, I don't know how many, of them, 30 to 40, playing their instruments, marching, learning how to play this song. It takes hours out of their week. It takes hours at home practicing, I'm sure. And probably some of them, their parents make them do it, but probably some of them want to do it because they want to be a part of something bigger. So there's this cost, mental energy, time for their parents, probably financial investment. And yet they they do it because they say it's, it's worth it. And so my point here isn't, isn't to say that any one of those things or commitments are, are good or bad. The point is just that when we think something is worth it, we will pay the cost. When we see something as valuable, we will go to great lengths to be a part of it. We always make time for what we see as valuable. A professor in seminary put it simply, he said, people do what they want to do. At the end of the day, we do what we want to do. We pursue what we want to pursue. The things we desire, we go after them. That's just what people do. And so this is true in so many areas. We, we give ourselves to so many things. But then the question comes to this teaching of Jesus. When Jesus says, hey, the kingdom of God, being about the things of God, is more valuable than anything else you could possibly imagine. Okay, do we believe that? Or do you say, oh, you know, I, I wish. I wish I could be more committed to that, but... I have other things going on, or, yeah, I'm a little busy now, or I, I really want to, but I just can't. When we get down to the bottom of things, we're just, we're just not so sure it's worth it. So how should we respond to this parable? I think there are some movements in the story that can help us think about where we are in relation to this parable. And maybe what we might want to do in response. First, you notice in the parable, in both of the parables, there's a time of discovery. There's a time of discovery where the man in the field and the merchant alike, there's this initial interaction that they have with the treasure or with the pearl. But notice, this is the one difference in the parables. They're so similar in so many ways. But the one difference is how the men find this object. How they find the treasure versus how they find the pearl. The, the first man, you notice in verse 44, sort of just stumbles upon it, right? Just says he's walking. and says what? The man found this treasure. It doesn't really say he's looking for it. It doesn't really say he's in pursuit of it. He just kind of came across it almost like an accident. But with the pearl we have this opposite situation. He's a, he's a merchant, he's an expert, he's trained, he is diligently seeking pearls, right? Verse 45, a merchant was looking for fine pearls. He was going after it, he was pursuing these things. So they, they found their treasure in different ways. And the same of, is true of us spiritually speaking. Some of you maybe are here today on a whim, You're not really sure why you're here. Maybe, maybe a friend invited you or a a neighbor invited you, but you weren't really like going out of your way to search out spiritual truth. You're like, I guess, I guess I'll show up. Or I don't really know why I'm here, but I kind of found myself here on Sunday morning. You weren't out looking for spiritual answers. You weren't out reading up on various religions, trying to find what is true, just living your life, and then someone or something kind of invited you and And here you are. Kind of like the first man in verse 44. But some of you maybe can relate more to the the merchant in search of fine pearls. You've been looking for truth. You've been looking for answers. You've been reading. You've been studying philosophy. You've been trying to find out what is real. And maybe some of us who are Christians began your life with Jesus that way, where you were diligently seeking the truth and you found it in him. So discovering this treasure of Jesus can happen in different ways for different people. But I'm afraid we haven't all had the experience of finding the treasure of Jesus. And here's what I mean by that. Sometimes even when we think we know what the message of Jesus is, that we've really understood this treasure we're talking about, I think for a lot of us sometimes we haven't fully grasped it. We haven't fully understood the treasure of the gospel and what Jesus offers us. One question I often ask people in conversation, whether they're churchgoers or not, is I'll ask them, hey, could you, like, I'm a pastor, right? So I'm a, could you tell me just what you think Christianity is all about? Maybe I've shared this story with you guys before, but I'll ask them, like, just tell me, like, from your opinion, from what you've seen or heard, like, what do you think Christians are all about? What do you think this whole Jesus thing is all about? And that's actually a really, really easy conversation starter, just to see, like, where people are at and what their assumptions or thoughts are about Christianity. And usually what I hear is something along the lines of, well, you know, Christianity is about being good. It's about, um, you know, some commands on how to live a good life, It's about being loving. It's about being a kind person. It's about making the world a better place. Like Ultimately, that's what Jesus was about. That's his message. That's usually what I hear. I've never once, never once, had someone explain the gospel to me. I've never once had someone say, you know, the message of Christianity is that we weren't good. That we could not rescue or save ourselves. And so, Jesus came to live the life that we couldn't live and then die in our place the death that we deserve so that we could be forgiven of our sins and reconciled to God. No one's ever explained salvation or the grace of God that is offered to us in Christ. All people have told me is, well, it's about be good enough and God will love you or obey these commands and you'll, get into heaven. And so people are just holding out this garbage on a plate and calling it treasure, when really it's just dead religion, it's just legalism, it's just self-righteousness, and that's not the treasure that we're talking about this morning. That's not what the kingdom of God is all about. The kingdom of God is about this salvation that can be ours in Christ, but the incredible mercy and love and grace of God for us. That he came to do what we could not do. We couldn't clean ourselves up enough. We couldn't save ourselves. We couldn't earn his favor or make things right with him on our own. We're justified, made right in his sight through faith, through faith in Jesus and what he has done. That's the heart of the gospel, that we are loved despite our sin, and despite ourselves, and we're welcomed back into a relationship with God. That's the treasure of the gospel. And sometimes we think we can, like, skip that step, the discovery step, and think, well, to be really spiritual, just get to work. Like, get to work and obey and just do more and sacrifice enough because you're supposed to. And that that sort of religious mindset is driven by fear, Just get to work. And we don't give people the time or space to discover the joy of the gospel and really hear and understand the message of Jesus and how good he is and how much he loves you and what he's done for us. And so true Christian life starts with discovery, like these men in the parable, which includes a time of exploration, a time for you to ask questions, time for you to read the Bible on your own for yourself if you've never done that. And explore what Jesus actually said and what that means for you. To join a small group, to get to know people in this church, to ask questions about the Bible and about Jesus. Maybe it's an opportunity for you to be a part of the Alpha Course that we're gonna run again in the spring to explore these big questions about faith and see see if you really believe that it is true. It's an okay place to be for a time, this discovery. But after discovery, you notice there comes a point of decision. Right? That's kind of the second movement. There's discovery, then there's decision. Either this treasure or this pearl that the men found, either it was valuable to them and worth everything they had, or it wasn't. But they had to Decide. See, in the stories that we love, there's always a big point of decision, right? A fork in the road where the characters have to choose which way they are going to go. An invitation maybe is extended to them to be a part of something that's much bigger than themselves. Think about Star Wars, episode four. Luke Skywalker is at his little desert home and his family's killed. And he has this choice. Will he go off with Obi-Wan? and join the ranks and fight the evil empire, will he step into the story or will he say, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of tired. I'd rather stay at home. Hope you guys, you know, figure it out. Or we think about the Lord of the Rings, right? And Gandalf comes to Frodo and says, this ring must be destroyed. And he invites him to be a part of it. I mean, he had a choice, right? Frodo could have said, no thanks. Again, I'm tired, I'm a hobbit. I like naps and food, not adventures and scary things that are going to threaten my well-being. So thank you, Gandalf, for the invitation, but no thanks. But he made a decision to say, I'll step into this story. And I'll be a part of this rescue plan to destroy the ring. And so we have this fork in the road, this decision point that's presented to each of us. When we hear the message of Jesus, the invitation to follow him, will we say yes or no? And this doesn't just affect our eternity. Right? In Christ we have forgiveness of sins and eternal life and the hope of eternal life with God in his world forever. But it also changes what we're about now. Right? We're invited into this bigger story to be a part of the kingdom of God and seeing God heal his broken world and seeing lives transformed by the gospel and families and communities healed and neighborhoods and communities changed forever. Where the sick and the hurting are cared for, where the weak are protected, where we do acts of justice and peace in the name of Jesus. So the invitation that Jesus offers us is not just, hey, come and believe and then hang out in church the rest of your life and then die and then go off to some faraway place, it it changes how we live now, how we treat people, what we're about. The way we want to act and live in the world is so much bigger. Not only that, we get to find out how God has uniquely gifted and wired us to be a part of his purposes in the world, the strengths and the passions he's given each of us. And I believe that looking back years from now, as we look at our lives we'll want to see that our lives counted for something more than ourselves. They counted for something more than just comfort and ease. We'll want our time, we'll want our money, we'll want our efforts to have meant something. There's this great quote that says, we all must suffer from one of two pains, uh, the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. We all must suffer from one of two pains. We get to choose the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. In other words, there are things right now, choices that we have to make that might be costly, that might be difficult. But if we make those choices, especially in terms of following Jesus, we'll be able to look back with great joy. Or we could choose, again, comfort now, throw off discipline now, throw off those uncomfortable decisions now, but then we will have chosen regret and we'll look back at a life that was wasted or a life that was not fully focused on Jesus. So we have to decide what we'll do with Jesus. And the last step, after we discover the treasure, we decide if it's worth it or not, then we have to do something. Those are three D's. That's what pastors do. Discover, decide, and then, and then do something. You see the men in the parable, right? They went and they, they did something about this valuable thing they found. They gave away everything they had in order to obtain the treasure. And this is where we need to think uh, personally, individually, what might God be calling us to in response in response to this parable, if we really believe that the kingdom of God and knowing Jesus is worth everything that we have, what is that step of obedience that He's prompting us towards? Or is there something that we're kind of sitting on the fence about we're unsure of? Maybe there's a, a step God wants us to take that seems a little bit risky or a little bit uncomfortable, makes us a little bit unsettled, but He's asking us to step out in faith. Maybe you're here this morning, you've never put your faith in Jesus. And Jesus is prompting you to trust in him today, give your life to him, turn from your sin and find salvation in him today, saying yes to him. Maybe you're already a Christian and this is an invitation to be more about the kingdom of God as we look at 2020 and what you want your life to be about and what you want your family to be about and the priorities that you want to set. Maybe Jesus is inviting you to step more out of the sidelines and into the game to give your life away more for the cause of Christ. And this could be things small or big. This could be something like moving to the third world, becoming a missionary. It could be quitting your job and going to seminary and going into ministry. Those are big things. Or it could be ordinary daily things with where God has already placed you to more focus on the people around you, loving your neighbors, freeing up a night of the week, Or a night of the month to have neighbors in your home to build relationships with those who are far from God. Joining a small group in the church, committing to godly relationships with others in the church so that you can grow. Maybe it means giving more of your time to serve in an official capacity. Maybe it means inviting someone from work to read the Bible with you. Maybe it means... Stepping out and having a difficult spiritual conversation that you've been putting off. Maybe it means investing in younger generations, spending more time with your kids, having more conversations with your kids or your family about Jesus. I don't know exactly what the step is supposed to look like for you, but we also be asking that question, Lord, what would you have me do? If we believe that this treasure is so valuable, Jesus, that knowing you, following you is worth everything that I have. And how would you want me to respond? Cuz Jesus invitation to us, friends, is not, "Hey, it won't cost you much, so why don't you come along and just believe." The message of Jesus is, "Following me is costly, but it's worth it." It says the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. We get to respond now as a church by coming to the communion table together. Uh, I'm going to pray for us in just a moment, and then we get to remember Jesus and the treasure that we have in him, that he has saved us, he has given us eternal life, forgiveness of our sins. His spirit within us reconciled us to a right relationship with God. And so we're going to remember him together and celebrate him and what he's done. And so uh, I invite you, if you are a believer, if you've put your faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, I invite you to participate with us. And while the music plays, you can come forward and take uh, the bread and the cup, which represent his broken body, On the cross and his shed blood on the cross for us. Um, Again, we practice an open table here, which means even if you're from out of town or this isn't your church home, uh, if you've put your faith in Christ, we invite you to participate. Uh, The elements, as the slide says, are gluten-free, so no need to worry there. And there will be two stations up front. And after I pray and the music plays, feel free to come forward and participate with us. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you have done for us. You came to rescue us. You came to die for us. That even though we were dead in our sins, you made us alive through your death and your resurrection. We have new life. And so we thank you for the bread and the cup, for the sacrifice you made dying for us on the cross. We thank you for the new life that we have now in you. And we pray, Jesus, that you would fill us with your spirit, that you would guide us to live lives that communicate to the world that Jesus is worth everything that I have. It's the most valuable thing I could possibly give my life to. It's in your name we pray. Amen.